what great privilege it is to be able to come to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and have the chains that have us bound in sin released. Amen? And now we're free to serve our risen Lord. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of James chapter 2. James chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 14 through 26 this morning. We're in a series that we've entitled The Price of Maturing as a Christian. Just like nothing in life is free, coming to maturity in Christ is not free either. Today, we want to see that Christian service makes for a mature Christian. In other words, if a Christian is maturing in Christ, that child of God is going to be active in ministry, okay? This is one of the messages you're not going to like to hear this morning if you're not involved in ministry, okay? Too many people in our churches are complacent and they're just happy coming to church on Sunday morning and just going out and not doing anything for the Lord the rest of the week. Well, that is immaturity, okay? I know that's, that, that, that's not, that don't sound good. But listen, let, the truth is the truth, is it not? If we are not involved in ministry as a child of God, we are not mature in Christ, neither will we ever become mature in Christ. We must begin serving Him. So still looking at this price of maturity, we want to read, uh, move to the fourth of ten characteristics we're going to be looking at that will point out the identity of maturity within a believer. Today I want to take a look at how Christian service makes for a mature uh, believer. It makes for a mature Christian. We're talking here this morning about works. We're talking here about exercising the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Look, exercising the spiritual gifts that God has given us, you know, it entails works. So here's the thing, though. We work not to obtain salvation. We work because of salvation. So works does not bring us salvation. It does not get us in a relationship with God. But folks, if we are truly saved, and you're going to hear me say that word a lot this morning, truly. Okay, if we are truly saved, there will be works within your life. And if you have no desire to work for Christ, to serve others, to involve in ministry in some way, some form, some fashion, you may want to take a look at yourself again. You may want to go back to Calvary and see if your salvation experience was for real or if it was some other thing within your life. In other words, works will not bring about salvation, but if we're truly saved, works will be a byproduct of that salvation within your life. Now, James has much to say in this area of works, and because of the importance that James places on works, and let me tell you, James placed a lot of emphasis on works, but because he places so much importance on that, some people feel, well, James is contradicting Paul. Because Paul talked just the opposite, did he not? That works will not save us. So some people look at this and they say, well, my goodness, it looks to me like James is contradicting Paul's teaching that salvation is by grace through faith, not of works, least any man should boast. And that does sound like a good argument, does it not? But let's take a look at this. First of all, what we see here is Paul speaks, when Paul's talking about works and about salvation, about justification, Paul is talking about a vertical justification. 
And what I mean by that is vertical between you and God. That is what brings about salvation. That is what in my relationship with God. When I am saved, it's a vertical relationship. It's a vertical justification that puts me in a relationship with God. Well, James, on the other hand, he's talking about a horizontal justification before men. And what that means, it's a justification that displays itself in my actions, in my deeds, in my works, as Paul, I mean, as James talks about. Look, Paul was addressing one audience. James was addressing another audience. Paul was addressing one issue. And what we're going to see is James was addressing another. So let's take a look at the difference here in professing faith and possessing faith. They sound a little bit alike, don't they? But there is a big difference in professing faith and possessing faith. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Look at verse 14. Verse 14, James chapter 2. What doeth it profit, my brethren, though a man, what's that next word? Say it again. Say I am saved. What profit does a man do a man if he say he has faith? Now, does him just saying he has faith bring about justification? Does a man just, just says, well, I, I believe in God. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. He can say that all day long. Okay? Let's read what James says here. What do it profit, my brethren, if a man say, I have faith, and have not works? In other words, you can profess all day long, profess all day long that you believe in God. But if works does not follow that profession faith, then James says there's a problem here somewhere. There's a problem here somewhere. Let's read on. Can, now here's a confusing thing. Verse 14, though a man say I have uh, faith, but doesn't have works, can that faith save him? Can him just professing I believe in God bring about salvation is what James is saying here. Just because I say something does not necessarily mean I possess something. I'm going to get into that deeper here in just a moment. So that's what James is saying here. James is saying here that it's one thing to say you're a saved, but it's another thing to actually be saved. I believe this. I believe our churches are full of professing believers, but low on possessing Christians. Look at that statement again. Got it up there for you. I believe our churches are full of professing believers, those who say, I am saved. But I believe our churches are low on possessing Christians. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, remember Jesus' words in Matthew 7, 21, in that day many are going to say unto me, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? Have I not cast out devils in your name? Have I not done many wonderful works in your name? And y'all remember what Jesus is going to say to them people? Depart from me. I never knew you. Now, what does that mean? These are people standing before the great white throne judgment of Jesus Christ who professed faith but never possessed faith. You see the difference? 
And that's why James says, can that faith save you? Just because you say you are saved? Can that profession that you're saved actually bring about salvation? Look, two things to note here. James is addressing two kinds of faith, okay? Two kinds of faith he's addressing here. First of all, the true saving faith and professing faith. Please understand, there's two different things here. True saving faith is going to be a possessing faith. But professing faith does not mean you are saved. What's professing mean? That means I say it. I say it. Let, let's dig into this. It's going to be pretty interesting, I think, this morning. James is basically saying here, it's a one thing for a person to profess, profess they are saved, that is to say it, but it's another thing to truly be saved. You know, we have a lot of people in a lot of Baptist colleges, in a lot of Baptist seminaries, in a lot of Baptist churches who are talking the talk, but they never walk the walk. They profess one thing, but you never see a result of that profession within their life. And why do you not see a, you know, works within their life is because they are professing faith, but they are not really possessing faith. Are you following me so far? They profess it. They say they have faith. You know, but you never see any results in their walk. And James is saying to them, what good does it do you to profess that you're saved if there's never any indication of that saving faith within your life? And again, that goes by what I said well ago. I believe our churches are full of people who profess salvation in Christ, but who really lack profession. I mean, yeah, possessing uh, Christ. You see, talk is cheap, folks. Talk is cheap. Look, what James, you know, James asked the question here, and he says this, can faith save him there in 14b? And the faith that he's making a reference to there is not the true saving faith, rather the professing faith he just spoke about in the first verse, a part of that verse. Listen. I can profess to you, okay, all day long. Now, what's profess mean? I can say. I can say to you all day long that I am a professional football player. And for those who miss Bible study tonight to watch the Super Bowl, I got to throw that in. For those who skip Bible study tonight to watch football, I'm a pro football player. I will be out on that field playing today because I'm a pro football player. If you watch, you'll see me out on there. I'm going to be playing in that Super Bowl. Now, what have I just done? I have professed that I'm a pro football player, and I have professed that I'm going to be out on that field playing tonight. But can I tell you something? If I am not suited up, and if I am not on that field at 5.30 this evening, I'm a phony. Even though I professed to be out there, even though I professed that I'm a professional football player, I'm nothing but a phony. Because just because I say it doesn't mean I possess it. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Look, saying I am saved 
makes me no more saved than saying I'm a pro football player makes me a pro football player. It's that plain, and it's that simple. He goes on to give another example in verses 15 and 16 of what he means. Let's look at that. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace. Be you warned, and feel uh, notwithstanding that you give them not those things they are in need for their body. What doeth it profit? In other words, if you run into somebody who has a need, and you say to them, I'm going to pray for you, and you go on about your way, and you do not meet that need, James is saying, what have you done? How has that profited them? How have that profited you? You see, the difference in professing faith and possessing faith is evident when someone comes before you with a need. When someone comes before you. Look, professing faith, it may be kind. You know, a person with professing faith, they may be kind. They may be a kind person. They may be a gentle person. They may even say, well, I'm going to pray for your need. Now, they won't pray for them right then, okay? Uh, They'll do like people on Facebook, you know, I'll pray for you. They don't even know what prayer is. But so a person with just a professing faith, they again, they may be kind and gentle. They may even tell the person, well, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. But that's as far as it goes. Now, a person with a possessing faith, they are going to be kind. They are going to be gentle. They are going to pray for that person right then and right there, okay? And then they are going to go out of their way to meet that need. Do do you see the difference in the two things there? And that's what James is trying to get across. Just because you say you are saved does not make you saved. There has to be some action in your lifestyle. If you truly possess the faith that you say that you possess. In other words, possessing faith understands that one must put feet to their prayer. Possessing faith understands true salvation is more than just saying, I believe in God. Possessing faith, you know, is more than just saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. It's more than just saying, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's more than just joining a church or going through the baptismal waters. One with possessing faith understands they must put that faith into action if it's real. If it's real. Look, a professing faith, a professing faith will not entail works. But a possessing faith will entail works. Throw that up there, John. There you go. Okay? It will. So here's what he says here in uh, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead. Is dead. Look, a genuine possessing faith will manifest itself in post-conversion works. Okay? Let me see. Me and John ain't together on this. Where are you at, John? All right, we're just going to go on. He'll find me in a minute. 
Okay, here, here's the thing. Professing faith, you know, a professing faith will not entail works, but a possessing faith will entail works. So he says there in verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. You see, as in verse 14, okay, the faith James is making reference to here is being, uh, is dead, you know, if it's not true saving faith. If it's not true saving faith. You see, a genuine possessing faith will manifest itself, as we said, in post-conversion works. Now, let's look at justification here. Justification by faith versus justification by works. Verse 18 through 24. Let's go there. Verse 18 through 24. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you thee my faith by my works. So James is saying here, a man may what? Say. What's that? Profess. A man may say that I have faith, but he don't have works. James is saying there's a problem there. Two and two ain't coming up to four. But he says, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And I will, in other words, you show me your professing faith that doesn't have works, and I'll show you my possessing faith that does have works. Two different things. Let's read on. Verse 19. Thou believest there is one God, and you do well. Now he's talking to the person with professing faith. Who says he saved? You believe in God, you say, and you know, you, you do well. <laughs> but he says, you know what? The devils believe in God too. And they tremble. In other words, a person with just professing faith, a person who just says, I am saved, is no better than the demons running around up in the air. Isn't that something? I'm not calling nobody a demon who's not saved. But that's what James is saying. You're no better than that demon out there who believes in God. Because just believing in God will not bring about possessing salvation. Only professing. Let's read on. But wilt thou know, O vain man. Again, now he's calling that person a vain person. That faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. In other words, professing faith in Christ, saying you are saved in Christ, if there's no works that's a byproduct of that faith, you're not really saved. You're not really saved. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, up upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought his, by his works, or with his works, and by works was his faith made perfect. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now, the faith he's talking about there is not true saving faith, but professing faith. Professing faith. 
Now, let's, let's take a look because as I said earlier, it seems to some that, that James, you know, kind of contradicts Paul. Look at Romans chapter 4. Paul makes it clear that if a person's works, or if a person works and expects justifications for these works, he's going to have a rude awakening someday. Paul says this. And let me throw it up here in the New Century Version for you. If Abraham was, was made right by the things that he did, okay? What, what, the things that he did was what works, okay? He had a reason to brag. In other words, if our works, here's what Paul's saying, and you're going to say, well, that does kind of contradict James. We'll get there in a moment. But Paul is saying here, if the things we do puts us in a relationship with God, if the things that we do, if the works that we do justifies us, then we have a reason to brag. I'm saved because i done A, B, and C. Look what I have done. What I have done, the works that I have done, the good that I have done, it has brought salvation into my life. That's what he means. It, it's a reason to brag. But this is not God's view. This is not the way God sees it. Because the scripture says, Abraham believed God, and God accepted Abraham's faith. And that faith, made him right with God. When people work, their pay is not given as a gift, but as something that they earned. Hmm. And then you remember in Ephesians 2, 8, Paul said, for by grace are we saved through faith. That not of ourselves is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Again, that sounds like it's contradicting what James is just teaching us, does it not? Does the Bible ever contradict itself? No. Let's talk about this. If both of these men of God are preaching the same gospel, why does it seem one is saying works has nothing to do with salvation and the other seems to be saying works has everything to do with salvation? You know, I believe there's at least four things that we have to consider here. First of all, each was addressing a different problem. Paul, when he wrote to the church at Rome, was addressing a different problem than James was writing. Two different problems, okay? You know, Paul was addressing Gentiles who believed that they must work to obtain salvation. You know, for these pagan Gentiles, they constantly felt like justification was something that they had to be earned. Remember, they thought they had to be circumcised. That was a work in order to obtain salvation. And Paul was saying, you don't got to do that. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So Paul was addressing them, these Gentiles who, who thought they had to be saved by, you know, doing certain works. So Paul repeatedly exhorted them that salvation had nothing to do with works but faith only. Now James, on the other hand, he was addressing these Jews who prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, prior to them accepting Christ, they thought they had to work for a living. Or, I mean, for salvation. So what we see is now they realize that they were saved by faith and it didn't have anything to do with works. So before salvation, they believed they had to work to be saved. Now they went to the opposite extreme. Now they were saying, well, we don't have to do any works whatsoever. 
We can come to church on Sunday morning, sit in a pew, sing a song if it's a song we like, okay? Uh, and then go on home and we don't have to do nothing the rest of the week. That's your attitude, you got a problem. And I'm talking a spiritual problem. And that's the point James was trying to get across to the, these Jews that he was ministering to here in this letter. You know, James, he was addressing them and, and they felt, well, we don't have to do any works whatsoever. So James was telling them, if your salvation is real, guys, there's going to be some works that's going to be a byproduct of that possessing salvation. Just because you say you're saved, just because you profess it, doesn't mean it's real. Just because you say, I'm saved, doesn't mean you are. James is saying, guys, if you're truly saved, there's going to be some works attached to that. Not to bring about the salvation, but because you are saved. Folks, I don't know about you, but because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, because Jesus gave his life for me, because Jesus gave his all for me, why should I not want to give back to him? And if I'm truly saved, I won't have a problem with that. If I'm truly saved, I won't, I won't look at my giving of my time or my talent or my you know, tithe or whatever is a sacrifice it's because he what he did for me it's the least I can do is to serve him by serving others look James was stressing the point that though works do not play a direct part in justification faith that produces no works is not true faith now, the next thing we see here is this. Though both used Abraham as an example, they focused on different aspects of his life. In verses 22 and 23, we, we, we kind of see that there. Paul shows Abraham was declared righteous by faith, by faith when he trusted God. James, on the other hand, James' perspective of, of Abraham's faith, we see that there. James declares that... He was shown to be righteous by offering up Isaac. In other words, here's the difference in the two. Paul was pointing out that Abraham was found righteous before God because of his faith. Listen close to here. Because of his faith. That was proved by him being willing to offer Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice to be a possessing faith. Because, here's the point, had Abraham's faith not been possessing faith, rather only professing faith, he would have never offered his son. He would have never offered his son. So him offering his son was proof that his faith was real through his work of being willing to lay his son on the altar. Don't you remember? He actually put him on the altar. He actually took the knife and raised it above his head to put right in the chest of his son. Can I tell you something? If his faith had not been possessing faith, if his faith had only been professing faith, he would have never laid him up on that altar. 
And James is saying, by Abraham laying him up there, shows that it was true possessing faith that Abraham had. Because it led him to follow what God had told him to do. Notice verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by faith he was made perfect. James is pointing out that the saving faith of Abraham was working through his works, by his works, was the saving faith was made complete at that point. And not that his works were complete, uh, completed, uh, excuse me, not that his works completed his saving faith, but it was evident that the saving faith was complete because of the work he did. And that work was placing his son on the altar, taking the knife, raising it above his head. So, you see that Abraham's faith and the things he did worked together. His faith was made perfect by what he did. By what he did. Another way of saying this is his faith was shown to be complete by the works that he did. Those works being placing his son and raising the knife. The third thing, Paul was addressing works of the law. James was speaking of works of love that follow justification. You see, Paul was stressing the fact that, that trying to keep the works of the law would not do anything to bring about justification to a person only by grace through faith. So he was telling them, look, don't worry about the law. Quit trying to follow the law. The law is works. Following the law, doing those works will not bring about true justification. And you can follow the law or try to follow the law all you want, but all you're going to do and all you're going to receive is a professing justification or salvation. But you're not going to really receive a possessing one because you're basing your salvation, you're basing your justification on those things you are doing, not what Christ has already done. Not what he has done. James, on the other hand, was uh, you know, simply stressing that if, if one truly has true saving faith, that with that faith would follow not works of the law, but works of love toward others, serving Jesus Christ. The fourth thing is this. The two are discussing totally different subjects here. Paul is trying to overcome Judaizers who, as he seeks to prove that they can be saved apart from circumcision or any other work of the law, James is trying to get Christians to see that true justification confirms itself by deeds of love. In other words, by works. Works confirms that a person has possessing salvation. No works, James is saying, then it may not be real. You can say all day long, you're saved, but you're not. Two examples of working faith we see in verse 23 through 25, or and 25, okay? Verse 23 and 25. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And then you go down to verse 25. Likewise, he says, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? 
In other words, by her sending out those messengers out of the city, remember she rescued them, that was showing that her faith was real in the works that she did. Those works, getting them down is, or out of the city is not what saved her. But getting that proved that her faith was real. Look, as we pointed out earlier, James is not speaking about a vertical justification before God, the faith that puts you in a relationship with God. James is speaking about a horizontal justification before men, that justification that displays itself in their actions that uh, complement their vertical relationship with God. You see, no matter whether one has the mature faith of Abraham or the baby-like faith of Rahab, there must be evidence of that faith, and that evidence will reflect itself in works. Read that again. No matter whether one has the mature faith of Abraham or the baby-like faith of Rahab, whether you are a new Christian or whether you've been saved for a long time, if it's true possessing faith, and not just for you saying for 50 years, I believe in God. Remember, just saying you believe in God, you're no better than the demons. Not my words, but Paul's or John, uh, James there. But whether you have that baby-like faith, you're new in Christ or you're old in Christ, there must be evidence of that faith. And the evidence of that faith will be you being involved in ministry will be works within your life. What about you this morning? Are you willing to pay the price that it takes to be a mature Christian, to mature in Christ even? That price being works of ministry as we serve others. If not, there's probably little, if any, works of service in your life if you only have a professing faith. If there are no works of service within your life, it's because of one or two reasons. Let me close with this thought. If there is no works of service within your life, you're not involved in any ministry whatsoever, you're not involved in any, you know, doing anything around the church, doing anything in, in, in the community for others, you're not serving others, you're, I mean, it, it, you just come to church on Sunday mornings and that's it. There's one of two things for that. Either you're basing your justification on a professing faith only, and therefore there's no works of love. You're not involved in any ministry because it's only a professing faith. And a professing faith will not cause one to desire to serve God and serve others. Or it could be because you become complacent in your walk with the Lord and you need to renew that relationship. Yes, you do have a possessing faith. You was actually truly saved, but you become complacent in your walk with the Lord. You become complacent to, to just come to church and that's it till the next Sunday. You never open your Bible throughout the week. You never really pray for others. You're never involved in anything that we need uh, done around the church, you know, as far as ministry or anything else. You become complacent and you're content 
You're content. Just doing your own thing. Yeah, you may be truly saved. But there's no evidence of that. And that's what James was talking about. If it's true possessing faith, there's going to be some works in your life. There's going to be some things you do for Christ. But if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You don't have possessing faith. And what you need to do in order to be able to begin to work for Christ is come to him. Confess before him, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I accept your death, your burial, your resurrection. I ask you to become the Lord of my life. I give you my life. And Lord, help me to begin to serve you by serving others. You need to come to him for salvation. Let's pray.